So when we originally recorded this interview, we spoke with Judy back in February of 2020, and a lot has changed since then. The whole world has changed. Who knew? But given that COVID has made a lot of impacts on law students and graduations and testing and everything, we thought it best to check in with Judy again before this episode aired and get updates on the uniform bar exam and how COVID would impact the testing schedule or if it would, and just let us know what students need to know given coronavirus. So go ahead, Judy. Okay, well, thank you, Emily, and thank you for having me. I wanna start by saying that on behalf of NCBE and all of our, our staff members, our board, and all of our volunteers, we think of law students, law graduates, all the time. It's a terrible situation that the 2020 graduates have been put in, and we empathize with you. And we hope that we've done our part to try to make more opportunities available for graduates to test. So, you know, Emily, when we last talked, the February exam had not yet been administered. And that was really administered, you know, really without a coronavirus hitch. Right near the exam administration, we got a couple of inquiries about, you know, hand sanitizer and stuff like that, and jurisdictions, maybe masks. Jurisdictions, I think, provided that or told examinees they could bring their own masks. And then about two weeks after that, the MPRE was administered at Pearson View Centers. And that's when there got to be more of an issue. And for that MPRE administration, again, that that exam was administered at Pearson View Centers. And then, of course, immediately after that, we started to turn our attention to the July exam and wondering, well, what is this going to look like if this pandemic continues? And so, you know, we always provide two exams every year, one in February and one at the end of July. And we conferred with the jurisdictions and we came up with two additional bar exam dates, as you know, your listeners will probably know. So we're doing the traditional bar exam, the traditional dates, July 28th and 29th. There was a second date added of September 9th and 10th. That's a Wednesday and a Thursday. And yet a third day added of September 30th and October 1st. And that's also a Wednesday and a Thursday because both of those weeks start with a holiday on the Monday. So of all the UBE jurisdictions, there are many that have postponed their July exam. There are some that are still going ahead and holding their July exam. I would encourage your listeners to go on our website, which is ncbex.org, and right on the home page, there's a link to coronavirus updates, and there's a fabulous map that's color-coded and it just shows what every state is doing, both UBE jurisdictions and non-UBE jurisdictions. And so I'll give you an example. So for UBE jurisdictions, there are a handful that are actually giving two bar administrations. And they're giving two administrations because of the social distancing rules in place. They're not going to be able to seat examinees with the same density that they did in previous exams. So a site that maybe held 500 people now maybe holds 200. So in an effort to get as many examinees seated as possible, a handful of jurisdictions are providing two UBE administrations. So those are Washington, Nebraska, Kansas, Texas, 
and Minnesota, and they're giving the exam at the end of July, that's what their plan is, and that first weekend in September, the 9th and the 10th, first September dates rather. There are a couple jurisdictions that are giving, one is UBE and one isn't, an exam in July, and then the later September dates, and that's Tennessee, and the other state that's giving two exams, but on that other date, that later fall date, is uh, Kentucky. Other states are postponing their exam to one of the September dates, either the, the first weekend or that last weekend. Both UBE states and non-UBE states have about 17 of them have enacted or expanded their temporary or supervised practice rules. And that is in an effort to allow students or graduates who can't take a bar exam or whose bar exam is delayed till fall to be able to work pending their taking and passing a bar exam. So there's really been a lot of changes since we last talked. And I'm, I'm looking at the map right now while I'm talking to you, Emily, and it looks like a patchwork quilt. Yeah. Because <laughs> there, yeah, there really is a, a lot of, you know, there's just been a lot of movement and states are, you know, states are reacting to what they need to do based on local and state health orders that are in place and just what they think they can do. I, I will say that there are four that are going to an online exam. They are not UBE states. It's Michigan, Indiana, and Nevada, and they're giving some sort of an online exam, at least that's what the plan is, at the end of July on the traditional bar exam dates. And California is moving online to the September 9th and 10th dates. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that update. I'm sure our listeners appreciate hearing from you again and, and knowing that we're speaking to this updated time. Do you anticipate that there will continue to be modifications in 2021 or is that something that you'll just reevaluate at the end of the year and people should look for more information then? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think nobody knows. Even if you would have asked me at the end of March, I would have thought, well, you know, this is probably just going to be a one-time thing. I think nobody knows. I can tell you that our organization is looking at all options and making sure that we're prepared for what may or may not happen in 2021. Okay, great. Well, thank you again. And listeners, as I mentioned, our original conversation for this episode was recorded in February of 2020. So please be mindful of that as you listen. And thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Just Pod, a podcast by the Criminal Justice Section of the ABA, the unified voice of criminal justice. Welcome to this episode of The Just Pod. Today, we're joined by Judy Gunderson, who is the president and CEO of the National Conference of Bar Examiners. Judy, thank you for joining us. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Emily. Yes, we appreciate it. This episode is meant for our student listeners, and I guess anybody that is an advisor to law students. We're going to be discussing the uniform bar exam today. So Judy, why don't you get us started by telling us how the uniform bar exam works. Okay, well, great, thank you. And I'm, I'm really happy to be able to talk about the uniform bar exam. It's really been, I wanna say, 
a revolution in uh, legal admissions in the United States. And what it is, is it's the existing components of the bar exam that's given in most states. So that's the MBE, the multiple choice exam, the MEE, which is the multi-state essay exam, and the MPT. And so it's those same components are given on the same day, twice a year. It is uniformly administered, graded, and scored. And it gives law students, recent law grads, a portable score that allows them to look for a job if they meet the cut score in 36 now jurisdictions instead of just one. So what happens is you earn this score, you take this exam, you earn this score, and you can look for a job in any one of these jurisdictions provided you have met the jurisdiction's cut score because they all have the right to set their own cut scores. But you can transfer that admission or, you know, you might get a job, you might already have a job somewhere and then you can get a job a year from then if you get a job somewhere somewhere else, or there's a different office that you want to transfer to, and you can transport that score there. So it enhances, really for the first time, I think, in U.S. admissions, newly licensed lawyer mobility. So that's important, that it is confined to people who are recent law grads, and every state is a little bit different in terms of how long they will let someone transfer a UBE score, but it typically tries to cover the time when somebody might get in as a more experienced lawyer with admission on motion versus that first, you know, right after someone graduates, it sort of closes that gap. Importantly, it doesn't guarantee you admission to another state. You have to apply and every state, every jurisdiction gets to set its own sort of eligibility requirements. So you still have to go through, for example, a character and fitness investigation. What the UBE gives you is a portable score, not necessarily a portable status. I got admitted in this state and now I can get admitted in that state. But it does mean that you don't have to take another bar exam. Which is great. <laughs> yes. yes. So thank you for that explanation. I appreciate that. And now what we're going to do is we're going to move into some questions that are frequently asked to try and break up the information in case there's something of particular interest to a student. I looked into some of these frequently asked questions and your team put forward some questions that come to you often or that you find are noteworthy or of interest to students. So we're going to go through some of those questions now, and there may be a little repetition with some of the information you just shared with us, but we're going to break these up as those frequently asked questions, make it easier for students to kind of get the understanding they're seeking about the uniform bar exam. Yeah. So, so Judy, what is the best way for a student to prepare for the uniform bar exam? Well, I, I think a great way to prepare is to, first of all, just go on our website. And our website has, if you've looked at that, Emily, it sounds like you have, there's a lot of information that's readily accessible about preparing for the uniform bar exam. Since it consists of the components that we've been developing for a long time, there are lots of study aids and free study aids available on our website and some that are available at a very modest cost also on our website through our new learning management system called BarNow. But for example, I think a good place to start would be to say, okay, well, what's covered on the MBE? And to go on the MBE link on our website 
and go under the preparing tab and that will give students a multi-page detailed subject matter outline of all the topics that are covered under the MBE. Same thing with the MEE, which is the MBE plus some additional subjects. And the subjects that are the same on the MBE and the MEE, they have identical subject matter outlines. So you don't have to learn one thing for one exam and one thing for another exam. So just getting the lay of the land on what's covered is very helpful. On the MPT, as probably your listeners will know, that is a skills test. So there isn't a subject matter outline like G under civil procedure, we're testing on jurisdiction and venue. The MPT is testing skills, communicating in writing, identification and resolution of ethics issues, that kind of thing. It's a closed universe test, so there really isn't a subject matter outline that you need to be familiar with for the MPT. But so the subject matter outlines are good. And then, as I said, there are many free questions, released questions. They're questions that were administered on the bar exam in years past, and you can look at those for free. And you can see the kinds of questions we ask about how long they are and about what is expected in an answer. There's a very detailed analysis, which honestly, we wouldn't expect that in an answer, but it tells you what law we're looking at in terms of you know how they're graded, and it gives you an idea about organization. And so that's all on our website. Website, plus, in addition, the Bar Now study aids, which are available at probably a fraction of the cost of commercial bar review materials. Well, it sounds really helpful. Now, you kind of touched on this before, but how can I know what states accept the UBE? Well, again, going to our website is very helpful because there's a tab under, you know, just if you go right to our homepage, it says NCBE's exams and you click on UBE and there's a tab right after that that says score portability and there's a map when it says minimum scores that will show you all the jurisdictions that accept the UBE and a list of those that do. So currently, there are 36 jurisdictions that have adopted the uniform bar exam. For the February 2020 exam coming up in a couple weeks, less than a couple weeks, or I guess by the time this broadcast, that will be in the rear view mirror and we'll be looking for, for <laughs> right. July. But there will be 34 jurisdictions administering. And so the states that haven't already started to administer, I believe, are also already starting to accept scores. But for that individual state information, when are they starting to accept scores? We have links on our website to each individual state board of law examiner website. So you know, right now it's almost easier to say what states accept scores than states that don't, given that there are 36. I'm looking at the map and it's a pretty orange, orangey map. So Judy, how do you set the passing standard in each state? Well, that's a very good question. In a word, NCBE doesn't set the passing standard in each UBE jurisdiction. It's up to each jurisdiction. It's their right, it's their responsibility to decide where they want to set that passing standard. So, you know, there are 36 jurisdictions and there, the good news is there aren't 36 different cut scores. They range 
from a 260 up to a 280. So that's a pretty big range, a 20-point range. And just so your listeners know, if they're not in a UBE jurisdiction, a lot of times a passing standard is put on an MBE scale. So, you know, a 200 would be the highest you can get. Well, the UBE just doubles that. So it's a 400-point scale. So most jurisdictions are between 83% of jurisdictions, 30 of 36, are between a 260 and a 270, with most jurisdictions landing on a 270, which is a 135, on just the MBE scale, or a 266, which is a 133. And there are a handful of jurisdictions that are at a 260. So out of 36 jurisdictions, 30 of them are between a 260 and a 270. And that includes the jurisdictions that have not yet actually begun to administer, which are Texas and Ohio. They've set on a 270 passing standard. There are six jurisdictions that are between a 272 and a 280. And recently, Maine, which I think was at a 276, Maine just lowered its cut score to a 270. So in general, we've seen a little bit more of a, a funnel, if you will, for cut scores. Some jurisdictions that were a little bit higher are coming into the 260 to 270 range. And that's all been done as a result of, you know, the jurisdiction. That's nothing from NCBE at all. These are jurisdiction decisions. They're deciding to do that. One thing importantly, let's say I sat in Idaho, which is a 272, and I didn't score a 272. I scored a 270. I can't get admitted into Idaho because I didn't meet Idaho's cut score. I can transfer my 270 into any of those 30 jurisdictions that are a 270 or below. So it's important for your listeners to know who are would-be UBE examinees that even if they don't meet the cut score in the jurisdiction in which they're sitting, they certainly earn, earn a portable score and they have the ability to transport that score to another jurisdiction that sets a lower minimum passing standard. And you did say if they do choose to transfer their UB score to another UB jurisdiction, they will have to complete the character and fitness process again, though, correct? They will have to do yeah. that again, yes. And okay. there's, there's something that is not every state does it, but, but there are more and more states that are allowing this and a place to find out who does and who doesn't do what I'm going to say is a concurrent UBE application. That is available also on our website in the Comprehensive Guide to Bar Admission Requirements. And we update that every January or February. And that's, I think, the new one for, well, 2020, it's already on the website. So that is really important. And it's called on our website, it's called the Bar Admissions Guide. And that gives students the most current information about who allows a concurrent application. And what a concurrent application does is, let's say you know right off the bat, you've maybe got a job with a big firm that has offices in two states that allow this concurrent application. You actually apply to both at the same time and you start the character and fitness investigation process in both states. And so then when you earn your UBE score, you already have the CNF process underway and you don't have to wait another 
two, three, four months for that process to be completed. So you can get your admissions in both UBE jurisdictions a little bit sooner. Of course, the risk is if you don't meet the cut scores, you know, you've already paid to submit your character and fitness application. So, you know, you've set that money forth and you don't know if you're going to meet the cut score. But that's something that a few states do. And so if you wanted to cut some time off of that, that would be a way to do it with this notion of a concurrent UBE application. Okay. And does research exist comparing bar passage rates under MBE and UBE administrations? Well, MBE administration, there's nobody that just gives the MBE right. It's an MBE plus whatever state component might look like. So the exams, you know, aren't super different if you're UBE or you're using a state component because every state has some kind of what we call constructed response questions. So there's going to be some kind of essay question that you have to answer. Most states, but not all, have some kind of a performance test or a skills test component as well. But I think if you're looking for some research or a study, a great place to look is the study that NCBE's measurement research team did for New York was to look at what happened to New York's pass rate, both what it was like before they became a UBE jurisdiction and what happened after they became a UBE jurisdiction. And the results of that study were just published about maybe in December of 2019. And that's a study that isn't available on our website, but is available on the New York Board of Law Examiners website that's worth reading because it essentially said not much happened. The uniform bar exam didn't have an impact on the pass rate. The New York pass rate went up a little bit, but it probably wasn't due to adoption of the uniform bar exam. So you wouldn't expect to see a lot of differences in pass rates because or not because of the UBE. What affects pass rates, you can tell there are different cut scores or different passing standards. So passing standards make a big difference. Sometimes, you know, the population that sits makes a difference. So in New York, for example, they have many students who are foreign educated, and those students typically don't perform quite as well as United States law school educated students. And how does adoption of the UBE impact jurisdiction-specific components of licensing? Well, that's a good question. Again, making a plug for our website and our publication, we have a quarterly periodical called The Bar Examiner that's available on our main website, which is ncbex.org. It also has its own website, and there's just a wealth of information on this other website, which is called thebarexaminer.org. And we just completed a two-part series in the Bar Examiner on the state-specific component. So, you know, the answer is states pick a variety of approaches, not surprisingly. So out of 36 jurisdictions that are UBE jurisdictions, 15 have what we call the local component. And they take a variety of forms. Some are online courses. Some are kind of like a CLE. 
sort of component or method. Some are multiple choice. Some give hurdle questions. So that is you're listening to maybe a lecture about, let's say, Alabama law, and then the lecture stops and you need to answer the hurdle questions to make sure that you're paying attention. Again, many are online. Some you actually have to go and take the course somewhere. And they also vary. Some you have to complete before you may be admitted and some you can complete after you're admitted. So everybody does something slightly different and some jurisdictions don't have a local component at all. Over half don't have a local component. So again, that's all that information is available on our website, on the main website under the Uniform Bar Exam. Also, specific articles in depth about what different jurisdictions do are on the Bar Examiner website. And then when I told you about before that bar admissions guide that's updated every year, that also tells would-be applicants what the local component requirements are for the jurisdictions that they're thinking about seeking admission to. Well, you've given us a lot of information and we appreciate that. As we wrap up, let's just talk about student preferences. What are you finding with law students' preference? Do they prefer the UBE? What do they like about it? What are you hearing? Well, you know, I don't know that we hear so much from examinees, from students directly. We certainly hear from law faculty and law deans. And I think for the most part, students really like the notion of taking one bar exam and not having to take multiple bar exams because they don't know where the job is going to be or they get a job and then they get a different job. Let me just give you some statistics that since the UBE began, which was in 2011 with just two states in February, North Dakota and Missouri, there have been over 135,000 uniform bar exam scores earned. And out of that number, over 21,000 scores have been transferred. So that's for your listeners, for students, that's 21,000 exams that didn't have to be taken. They can just transport the score. So that seems like that's really good for students saves them. There's an opportunity cost to that, and there's a real cost to having to take another bar exam. So in that regard, I think it's been very well received. I think, too, for law schools, and I would think for students, there's a lot more uniformity in terms of what is going to be tested, right? There are 36 states that are all testing the same topics, the same questions, the information about how these questions are developed, how they're graded, what past questions look like is all readily available. It's free or it's at very low cost. So I think that's really helpful. I think bar exam preparation is probably aided by having this uniformity. Also, it's what we do for a living and we take a long time to develop these questions. We don't write them here at the national conference. We have outside item writers who are subject matter experts. We have in-house lawyer test editors. We pre-test all of our questions. We subject them to external review, which includes bias review. So there's a lot that goes into test development. And so I think, you know, a lot of the feedback that we get is that students do appreciate these really professionally developed questions and grading materials. 
And who doesn't want flexibility in their life? You know, the option to be able to move to another state without having to go through the whole process again. Right, right, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that we've covered a lot for our listeners. Is there any last thoughts about the UBE that you would like to impart before we wrap up our time here? I don't think so, except just to thank you for the opportunity. You know, we know about it and we're so immersed in it, but it's good to get the word out to others, especially if you're maybe a 1L or a 2L and you're not even maybe thinking about the bar exam yet. It's good to sort of have this information to think about, okay, well, what am I going to do when it's my turn and, and what kind of options does this give me? So we just really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Well, thank you again, and thank you to our listeners for joining us on this episode of The Just Pod.